All right. Wow, that is loud. It's a good thing I wasn't my normal self right there. I could have blasted you guys out. All right. Praise the Lord. Who is glad to be in the house of the Lord on Sunday evening? Amen. We're going to have a great time together tonight. And um, as you can see, a whole lot of people are over at Financial Peace University. So don't think like, hey, man, no one's here. They're all just next door. But we're going to have a fantastic time together tonight getting into the word. Who is here this morning? Yeah, we had a really good time together. And if you ever missed the service, you can always go back online and watch it on Facebook or YouTube or even listen into the podcast. But anyway, take advantage of all the opportunities to hear the word of God. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we are going to keep believing and declaring that America is coming to Jesus. Can we get an amen tonight? All right, let's speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord some praise tonight. And you may be seated. Okay. Well, we're going to get into some announcements here. But who remembers about a month ago when I misdid the faith confession several times in one evening? Wasn't that great? Yeah, I've been hearing about it for a good five or six weeks now from my dad. And, uh, <laughs> but hey, I didn't make a misquote this morning. I said John 14, 13 at the end of my sermon. It should have been John 16, 13. All right. Who will forgive me? That's, that's like three mistakes this year. I need help, guys. Pray for me. Pray for me. And, uh, anyway, yeah, both of those chapters are about the Holy Spirit and in writing it down. I, I didn't write it down right. So anyway, I love you and thank you for your ever loving kindness and forgiveness your mercy amen all right so (laughs) amen all right well let's get into the announcements here uh we've got um a couple things going on first of all we want to let you know that the missions yard sale yesterday was a huge success did anybody get to stop by and uh, visit buy some things donate some things they made $1,944, so almost $2,000 in one day. And, of course, it's all for the missions trip, and that's going to help us get down to Honduras. We've got a whole group of people going in June to Honduras, and we're going to be helping out Ron and Annette Thiessen and uh, just, you know, anything they need down there with their school and whatnot. We are going to be getting right into it, and uh, I'm very excited that we're this much closer to getting to go on the trip now. All right. Now, this coming Sunday, the 26th, we have Julius and Ruth Marar from India going to be here with us. Amen. 
And so, uh, as we've told you, they spent part of the year in India and part of the year um, in Riverside. And so they're back in the United States right now. They're going to be coming up here and uh, doing the service at least Sunday morning. And um, we're just really excited. These guys are incredible. And I know a lot of you haven't heard them yet. So if you aren't here Sunday morning, make sure you tune in on the live stream because you don't want to miss uh, and hearing all the good stuff that's going on over there in India. I also saw that our missionary Dana Nile, you guys know Dana? He's here every year. He's also in Nepal right now. He was traveling by dirt bike up into the Himalayas uh, this past week, and he was driving through snow on the back of a dirt bike with somebody else to go preach in a village. I was like, that dude is so hardcore, man. I love that. He's out there with a Bible and a dirt bike at like 20,000 feet. I mean, just getting it. I love it. All right. So praise the Lord for Dana and all of our missionaries. Okay. And then um, the big thing is this, is that we are only about three weeks away from Easter Sunday, and this is our biggest day of the year because it is the biggest day of the year. Jesus is alive. Who knows that today? Amen. That is the biggest news in the history of the world. And so we're going to celebrate big. The kids are going to be doing a little performance just like uh, they usually do, singing some songs and reading some uh, Bible verses. So that's going to be great. And then we have a huge Easter egg hunt. Thousands of eggs all over the side lawn over there. or the, Excuse me, the side rock area. Uh, and it's going to be phenomenal. So we need donations of Easter eggs and hard candy. What? Whoa, we have enough eggs? Whoa, I didn't even know that. Here we go. Come on. Okay, so here's what happens. Y'all buy the eggs because it's the cheapest. Okay. Let's just be real about that. That's why I bought the eggs. Yeah. Okay. We too bought the <laughs> eggs. So let me tell you, I need for you to bring candy. And here's how you should bring candy. So instead of only getting the Easter candy that's out there and overpriced for you, mm-hmm. though you can do that and that's good. Please bring hard candy and not chocolate because the chocolate melts. So you can go to the candy aisle at Walmart, snack and candy aisle, and get the, like, party mix that fills pinatas. Did you say party mix? <laughs> anyway, okay, it's significantly cheaper and a whole lot more candy. But also, Winco sells candy in bulk. So that's how we roll for Harvest Fest. So if you're walking past that ten ninety nine bag of candy... And feeling like, I want to help you, Jesus. That's not currently in the budget. (laughs) Lord, give me seed to sow, right? Um, So if you are fitting it into your budget, go to the candy aisle. Okay? Amen. There you go. Candy. We need candy. All right. Hard candy for the eggs, for the kids. Who can help us out with that? Thank you so much. You're incredible. All right. Amen. And so we're going to have some invitations printed up and available this Sunday. And so I am really encouraging you to invite somebody to the Easter service this year. I'm telling you, this is the best day of the year to invite somebody. People are wide open to come to church on Easter and hearing the gospel message. And so this is going to be a absolutely golden opportunity to get your friends and family into church. And I promise you, we're going to preach the gospel to them. They're going to hear the good news about Jesus. And we believe that we're going to see salvations and restoration this year. Who's with me on that? Amen. All right. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yes. 
It is happy time, and what we mean by that is it is time for our Sunday evening tithes and offerings, and the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver, amen. If you need an envelope, raise your hand, and the ushers will get you one, and we are going to turn in our Bibles tonight to the book of Proverbs and chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11 And man, the book of Proverbs is fire. It has got so many good things about every topic, but even about the topic of our finances. And so Proverbs chapter 11, and we're going to look here, um, let's see, at verses 24 and 25. Check this out. I'm in the NLT, Proverbs 11, verse 24. It says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. And so sometimes we think, man, I just better not give anything at all. But that's not what the Bible says. It says if you give, God's going to bless you. You'll become more wealthy. But look at verse 25. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Now, out of those two verses, we've got two promises from God for prosperity. And one even uses the word wealth. And as we do that, the, the, the contingency there is that we are givers. And trust me, when we give, God will get it back to you. That is Bible fact. And I want you to look down at verse 28, all the way down at verse 28. It says, trust in your money and down you go. Who knows somebody, man, sadly, that has maybe had more trust in their money than they have had in God. And unfortunately, uh, you know, hey, that, that doesn't last. Down you go, according to the scripture. Here it is. But the godly flourish like leaves in spring. The godly flourish. And so I am encouraging you that as you give and as you obey God's word in the area of tithes and in offerings, listen, God's not going to make sure that now you miss out and you don't have enough. God's going to make sure that you do have enough and that you flourish like leaves in the spring. Who wants to be like a leaf in the spring? Man, I want to be like that all the time. Hey, come on. Yes. So as we obey the word of God, there is blessing in it for us. Amen. All right. Let's stand up together tonight. And we are going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. And then we're going to get into the word of God. And pastor has a great message tonight on healing for us. So if you've been needing healing or if you know somebody that's been needing healing, this is the word for you. And if you're like, man, I'm totally healthy. What a perfect time to lay the foundation in God's word for your healing and health. All right, let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive Jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, let's go. If you want, you can join us at the altar tonight. Let's worship the Lord together. I praise becomes your house your place our praise becomes 
your house, your place, our praise becomes your house, your place, our praise becomes your house, your place, oh God. song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give you praise and you come in, sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give you praise, cause you inhabit the praises of your people, you inhabit the praises of your people, you inhabit the praises of your people, yes you inhabit the praises of your people, sing our praise, our praise becomes your house. Shout your name and you come in. Give you praise and you come in. Sing a song and you come in. Make a dance and you come in. Shout your name and you come in. Give you praise and you come in. We sing a song and you come in. Make a dance and you come in. Shout your name and you come in. Give you praise and you come in. Sing a song and you come in. Make a dance and you come in. Shout your name and you come in. Give you praise. The praises of your people. Yes, you inhabit the praises of your people. Yes, you inhabit the praises of your people. Yes, you inhabit the praises of your people. Praise becomes your house, your place. 
still remember the place you found me and I surrender when your grace covered my shame and saw my Oh, wait. 
Jesus, I love you. Yes, I love you. Because you first loved me. And I love you. Jesus, I love you. Yes, I to know that you loved us even when we were sinners when we were your enemies you loved us Father we thank you that you sent Jesus to save us from our sins you sent Jesus to die for our sins and to give us life and Jesus thank you for eternal life and thank you for sending the great Holy Spirit to live in us and to teach us, and to lead us, and to give us grace for victory. We thank you for all those things. And Lord, for the time we live in, we want to thank you that you've already defeated sickness and disease. And you've given us the answer to how to receive healing every time if we need it, and how to live and walk in divine health as we follow you. We thank you for revelation knowledge tonight. And thank you for faith being built up in the hearts of the people that are here and the ones that are watching on live stream. We just want to thank you, Jesus, that we're going to serve you and be faithful and live long and live strong and fulfill your plan and purpose for our lives. In Jesus' name, Father, we praise you. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated.
Pastor Dave, that was a great job this morning talking about uh, the fear of the Lord. That was really, really, really good to keep on hearing that and hearing that and hearing that. If you weren't here this morning, you do need to follow that and listen to that again. I like, I like something you said about a preacher that got into trouble a lot of years ago, ended up going to prison. He was a well-renowned preacher. Matter of fact, uh, I worked beside him uh, in Washington, D.C. back in 1986, right, be- right before he failed. I'd, I watched him. He had, he had the biggest TV minister in the world, probably. And he worked the booth right beside mine. And I thought, I've never seen such a humble man. He's wearing a little little blue jumpsuit like mechanics wear and did a lot of stuff in ministry behind the scenes. And then within about a month, I saw why he was walking so quietly, walking on eggshells, because he ended up getting arrested. A lot of things happened. Went to prison. But anyway, uh, he told another minister later on in life that, that the minister asked him a question. Said, well, when did you quit loving Jesus? He said, I never quit loving Jesus. He said, I just didn't walk in the fear of the Lord. And so because he didn't fear the Lord, in other words, respect, honor, and uh, reverence God, then that allowed him to do things that he shouldn't have done, he knew better to do. And so for our lives, I think we need to take heart to that, to that word. That is one thing to love Jesus. It's another thing to fear God and do right. Amen? That was really good. That was awesome. But tonight, we're going to be talking about a closer look at Jesus' healing ministry. A closing look, closer look at Jesus' healing ministry. Turn to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 23 to start off with. But as we're doing this, I was, I was telling Mrs. Pastor, uh, for as long as we've been in the ministry, which is many, many, many years, we was a uh, full-time pastoral ministry for 30 years. And then before that, we did a lot of preaching and teaching for 10 years previous to that, plus other things. So we've been around a while. You know, we was full-time pastors out here. For a lot of time now, we're oversight pastors. But anyway, I made this observation to her. I said, you know what? Out of all of our years of the ministry, I've never seen as many sick people in our congregation as there has been lately. It just it wasn't, it wasn't so. And so we need to shore up and strengthen ourselves in faith for healing from Jesus, in faith for our health. I think about how the Gospels teach so many times that Jesus had compassion and healed the sick. As I know as ministers, especially as pastors, uh, healing to us is not something, well, that's just another part of the Bible we, pre- we preach. When I see sick people that I love, and we love all of you, when I see your kids sick, see you sick, we got compassion. We know what you can have, and we want you to have it. And I, th- I was thinking, as we was worshiping God, about uh, 19, 1981 in April, I was at a conference, and there was a man named Norval Hayes, was one of the speakers. And I'd heard a lot about Norval Hayes up to that point in time, but he made a statement there that stuck with me all my Christian life and all my, all my pastoral life that I'm so glad he said it the way he said it because I've run into religious people and some people that uh, are in our church sometimes because of religious error teaching, they don't think that uh, God wants to heal them. But he made, he made a statement, always stuck with me. Say, if you want to know the will, will of God, for healing, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus was the will of God in action. He came down to show us the will of God. And then another statement. And this this one threw me for a loop for a while, but I checked it out and found out it's true. Because there's so many people, 
that sometimes say, well, I don't know if it's God's will to heal me because I was so mean. I don't know if it's God's will to heal me because I missed it. I blew it so bad. Uh, he doesn't want to heal me. Well, Norval made the statement, said, study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then show me one time that Jesus ever said, I don't want to heal you. It's not my will. He never, ever, ever has said it. No matter who they were, how mean they were, how religious they were, whatever they were, Jesus I said, okay, I'll heal you. I'll heal you. I'll heal you. Amen. And so that's why I'm so strong in the area of healing. I know the will of God. And especially, especially the wicked people he wants to heal. People that don't know him. He wants to demonstrate his love to them. And so I know that there's religious people will judge other people. And say, well, she did this, she did that. Well, they've always lived like this. They did this, they did that. Jesus said, I didn't come for the well, I come for the sick. Amen. And so we need to get, we need to get a hold of these things. But I want you to look at uh, Matthew 4, verse 23. And we're t- what we're talking about is taking a closer look at Jesus' healing ministry. In other words, let's just look at him. Uh, from the inside out, from the inner circle, and see what they saw and see what they heard. It says, and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching, I underlined that in my Bible because that's a key, teaching in their synagogues and preaching, underline that because that's another key. He went about teaching, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing. I'd underline that because that's another key. He was teaching, preaching, and then healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought in him all sick people that were taken with divers or various diseases and torments, and those which possessed with demons, and those which lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed some of them. He healed them. He healed them. Do you think out of all those multitudes coming, some of them could have been mean people? You think some of them could have been a sexual sin even? You think some of them could have been con artists? Out of those multitudes, in the, wherever you got a bunch of people, you got some people that aren't perfect like all of us. <laughs> Everybody knows that's a joke, right? There's no perfect people in this church. Healing belongs to us. And so go down over to chapter 9 and look at verse 35. Chapter 9. Verse 35, again, we're talking about a closer look at Jesus' healing ministry. Chapter 9, verse 35, I want to make sure you all get there so you can see it with your own eyes. It says that Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching, and again, I underlined that, teaching in their synagogues and preaching, and I underlined that. I always do things like that because I want to jump off at me again when I read it. I want to see the key things that are important. Everything he said is important. But I want to see the key things that need to be important to me. And, and, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing, and I underlined that. Teaching, preaching, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he had moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. As sheep having no shepherd. That's not, that's not the point of my lesson tonight, but it's very important for sheep to have a shepherd. It's very important for sheep to have a pastor that teaches the word of God like we do. To have a pastor that calls you, looks in on you, sees you if you need help. 
that's concerned about your welfare. And says Jesus, with all the teaching, preaching, and healing he was doing, he looked out and said, I'm concerned. They need a shepherd. And that's our concern. There's so many people that we run across their paths. We see people used to go to church, this church and other church and things. And they're really, really fainting in life. Fainting means they're, they're getting weak and they want to quit. They want to, want, and they got the questions. Why God? Why God? Why God? Well, God's got the system set up. There's strength in being in a church family. There's strength in having a shepherd. At the middle of the night, he wakes up and all of a sudden he sees your face. And he doesn't know why, but he starts praying. Start praying for you to receive from God. Starts praying for you to see what you need to see. If you receive the help you need to see. And I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me. That happened to me yesterday. I can't remember who it was now. I told Mrs. Pastor, wow, I keep seeing this face all day long. And let's, let's just join hands right now and take authority over whatever's trying to happen in their life. And so I hope you saw that. It says that Jesus was concerned because they were getting weary. And he said the reason being they don't have a shepherd. And so if you want to be strong, stay faithful. Stay hooked up. Amen? But anyway, I want you to notice those, those, those three things. It was preaching, teaching, and healing. And so Jesus had a method and a plan for his ministry of healing, and he got excellent results. I want to say that again. He got excellent results. All those people in the multitudes that came had heard the word of God being taught, being preached, got healed. They received. Uh, what, what happens when you hear the word of God taught? What, 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 what takes place in your spirit? Faith. Faith cometh by hearing. And there's, I, you know, I, I wish we had time in this short lesson to go, go a little further, but I like Luke chapter 5 and Luke chapter 6. There's two really great examples how the, all, all the people came from everywhere to hear and be healed is the phrasing. They came to hear and be healed. And a lot of people wonder how come they, they, they make statements like this. I believe in healing. I believe in healing. Well, la da so does the devil. That's why he tries to make you sick and kill you. He wants you just to make a, make a mental ascent that I believe it, I believe it. Well, there's a difference between believing it and receive it. Amen. And so there's a, there's a process he has. It's you got to sit under the word if you're going to have great faith for healing, you got to hear it taught. You got to hear it preached. And then faith gets in your hearts. Anyway, he got excellent results. And so I followed his example for 43 years. And that's why people have consistently submitted to and attended multiple services at churches like this basically walk in divine health. They stay very well. They do very well. And the one, and the ones that uh, consistently sit under the word of God being taught in places like this, they receive healing quickly when they need it. You know, I just, I just been thinking about old Sarah for the last, for the last little bit today. She was a woman in her seventies that came to our church in Martinsville, Indiana, and she had, she had sugar diabetes for all of her life since she was a young kid. She'd been on insulin her whole life pretty much. And she came to healing school on Wednesday mornings. We taught healing school. She came to healing school Wednesday mornings. She came Sunday morning, Sunday night to church. And I'll never forget it. One night in a Wednesday night service, she's sitting in her chair all beaming from ear to ear. She's, she's about 75, I think. That's not old. I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry. I said she was old. I didn't mean that. She was getting older than she was when she was younger. <laughs> Boy, I'm glad that's over with and keep on <laughs> reminding me I'm married to grandma. 
<laughs> but she's married to Grandpa. <laughs> Has a wonderful life. But anyway, old Sarah came in on that Wednesday night as she was sitting about two or three rows back. and or Yeah, it was Wednesday night. So she kept praying, Pastor, Pastor, can I testify? Can I testify? And I said, okay, Sarah, what do you got? She said, you're not going to believe what happened. I thought, well, I will believe it because I'm a believer. Believers believe. So I thought, yeah, I'll believe it. She said she went to her, doc- her doctor and the doctor said, Sarah, throw away your insulin. And she said, throw away my insulin. They said, you don't need it, it's going to hurt you. He said, your, your, your sugar is normal. Everything is normal. Because she said under this word, she heard, and she heard, and she heard. And because she'd been on the insulin so many years, her mind was set. I have to have this to live. And she did. Until that healing got into her system and knocked out the diabetes. And she didn't have to have insulin anymore. You know what she did? She heard and was healed. She said under teaching and preaching, and what follows teaching, preaching on healing, healing follows. So it got into her, she got it. And I've seen so many people, I've seen so many people that didn't stop a service and want to testify about something, but I've seen so many people that things have left their bodies because they said under this. This is a closer look at Jesus' ministry. If you want to know how healing happened so big time in Jesus' ministry, it's called the teaching and preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. So that tells me, if it says it's the gospel of the kingdom, that tells me that churches and ministries should be teaching the gospel of the kingdom all the way. That's why they call churches like ours full gospel. We teach born again, and we teach love and a lot of other things, but we teach healing too. That's part of the gospel of the kingdom. And so I, I want to see this church... Start getting this healing anointing working in strong again in people's lives where they grab a hold of this and they get it and people start staying, staying well uh, more often and then people start receiving healing when they need it. Well, I'd have to wait a month for it. Amen. Amen. Matter, matter of fact, let me throw one more thing out here. Uh, divine healing is simply God speeding up the healing process. And then if it's something's a terminal thing, I mean, it's definitely knocking, knocking the death out and bringing life in. But for most of the things going around that people have had this church, the different sicknesses and even the COVID stuff now and all that kind of thing, well, you get over it anyway because God's got your body set up that way with natural immunity for things to happen. But something, something that would normally take a month, divine healing, knock it out in a day. Amen. He speeds up the process. That's what divine healing is, is God speeding up the healing process. And so anyway, I want to emphasize this, the order of Jesus' ministry. is teaching, preaching, then healing. Uh, when I used to make hospital calls years ago, did a lot of hospital calls, I never went in a hospital without my Bible. Because when I got a person laying there in bed, and things are kind of hopeless, even church people, I'd take my Bible and I'd open it up to usually Mark 16, verse 17 and 18. I would have them read this with me, that Jesus said, lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus and they shall recover. I would show them those words. I would teach them something. I would do something. Like I said, even if they were strong Christians, just to re-energize their faith, get them stirred up by what the Bible said. Because when you've got faith for healing, it's easy to receive healing. But if all you've got somebody just comes in and just plays a, prays a prayer, uh, you don't really know what's going on. Especially people that have never been taught healing. And so Jesus was teaching 
and preaching and healing. And I wrote down some, 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 some nuggets that I've put my, put my Bible for years that I think will think help you about this. To preach means to proclaim. To teach means to explain. Preaching proclaims the good news. Jesus wants you well. Teaching shows you how to receive from Jesus what he has for you. And that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm preaching. I'm teaching. And then what's going to follow tonight when we're done? Healing. If I'm doing what Jesus did, and we're supposed to be followers of Christ, if I'm following what Christ did, then if I teach the Word of God, and I preach the Word of God, then according to the Word of God, healing follows. Amen? It's teaching, preaching, and healing. And so preaching gives you hope. Preaching gives you hope, but then teaching shows you how to turn the hope into reality. I want to say that again. Because people got to understand this. And I don't like to do so much quote the scriptures that I lose you. But I think about Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance of hope. Things you hope for. You got to have hope before you have faith. Especially if somebody's on the bottom looking up. And they, they, they're already the place where we use the term, well, it's a hopeless situation. Well, if it's a hopeless situation... Let us do some preaching and give you some testimonies of people that have received healing. Give testimony. My son David received healing from leukemia. Uh, Dave McDill received healing from cancer. I received healing from cancer and heart things. And I think about uh, the Mata family. Their little son was so, so sick. And just, I mean, that was absolutely hopeless. But they were full of the word of God and their hope got turned into faith and became reality. And so when people are to the place they haven't heard what we teach here, what the Bible teaches on that, you need to give them some hope for they get faith. You need to tell them. You need to, in other words, like spoon feeding a sick person. You ever seen somebody lay there sick and weak and they, they, they need to start getting some nutrition? So you get the chicken noodle soup or you get something and just spoon feed little bites into their mouth at a time and they start getting enough strength and you can feed them a little stronger food. Well, a lot of times that's what you have to do with hopelessly sick people. You got to tell them, well, you know what? I got a guy in my church that works on tractors and he had some pretty bad diagnosis. He went through some things. He went to the doctors and things. But his main number one thing was the word of God and what it had to say. You see what I'm saying? And so, and so hope is what you need a lot of times before you can get faith. And so, well, I guess, I guess I said that to kind of like this. Sometimes people like us that are pretty strong in the word come in like a machine gun blasting the word at people. And there's nothing that happens because they don't have any hope yet. Amen. Amen. And so uh, people need hope before they get faith many times. And then also another thing I like to say about the teaching, preaching, and healing. Preaching plants the word. Teaching waters the word. That has been planted. Preaching plants. And when I was a young Christian, I didn't, I didn't really understand these things. I don't really know as I've heard it talk like I, like I explained it here. But the first time you hear the word of God, especially on healing taught, you get all excited. You get all excited. I've never heard that before. You get excited. Well, Jesus in Mark chapter four said that our hearts are God's soil. Our hearts are our God's soil, and the Word of God is God's spiritual seed. 
So with that spiritual seed hits us all of our heart, we get all excited because our hearts say, Woo! Woo! I like that! Woo! Got that seed in me! Something can happen now! So the seed's there. Well, I used to think the first time I heard something like that, I thought, man, I got great faith now. I didn't realize what it was, was I got seed now. And so then the second time, at the times thereafter, you hear the Word of God taught on healing, that that seed that was planted is being watered. The Bible, I give you multiple scriptures on that, but the Bible teaches that the washing of the water of the Word, and the Word being watered in your heart. Isaiah 55 says the Word does return void, but it's like the rain that comes down. That's planted. And so right now, I would say that probably 100% of the people in here right now has healing seed in their hearts getting watered right now as we teach. It's been watered. And what happens? Well, I'll tell you what happens when water gets on dirt. It's got something. It's just Mrs. Pastor. I didn't notice it really till she saw it this morning. It looked like we were in the Midwest this morning. As far as I can see through the desert, there's a green carpet. And I said, you know what? That just shows you that even in the desert, if they had regular rain like they do in other parts of the country, we'd have grass out here everywhere. We'd have things growing. But the bad thing is a lot of tumbleweeds out there too. But anyway, anyway, that's what happens. Preaching plants it. Teaching waters it. Amen. And so Jesus did a lot of good preaching, a lot of good teaching, got good results. Today, we need a lot of good preaching. A lot of good teaching. And we'll get the same results Jesus did because we have the same Holy Spirit and we have the same Word of God. And God's Word always accomplishes that which He pleases. And so, preaching, teaching, and healing. And now I'm going to go to Matthew 8 and show you a real example here of what Jesus did. Matter of fact, I got more understanding of it during worship tonight in here. Some things I hadn't seen or thought about with this passage. Matthew chapter 8 is one of my favorite passages on healing in the Gospels. <laughs> I guess they're all my favorite passage. But I think I study Matthew chapter 8 more than any of them. But why is that, Pastor? I don't like being sick. I don't like being sick. And I'll throw something else at you, too. I heard Jerry Savelle say this back as a lesser, Dr. Summerall's church in about 1981, 82. And, and Jerry Savelle was teaching him. He's a... Word of Faith Bible teacher, really, really awesome man of God. And he said he was meditating out loud, quoting Bible scriptures on healing. Said all of a sudden the devil said to him, what are you doing that for? You're not sick. And he said he talked right back to that demon and said, yeah, I ain't going to be either. Why don't you in advance take medication? How many here take vitamins and herbs and things like that just because you want to stay healthy? Why don't you... Even, I'm not going to say before you get sick, I wouldn't confess that on you. Why don't you, when you're not sick, make it your regular habit? I did years ago, Brother Hagin said, no matter what else I feed my spirit on every day, he said, I read something on faith and healing every day, every day, every day. So why don't you make it the habit, whatever devotion you're studying, whatever else you're doing every day, just go to Bible passage. Read a few verses out loud on healing and then say, this is talking about me. Amen. This is talking about me. I'm full of the healing power of God in my body. And if sickness tries to attack, it can't stay because automatically my immune system, my spiritual immune system is built up as bringing healing to my body. And I'm staying well in Jesus' name. In advance, in advance, in advance. And then if you want to take a day off of work, take a well day. 
Amen. Dude, I believe in well days. I learned that years ago. And so anyway, let's go to Matthew chapter 8. And I want to look at verse 2 and verse 3. And again, this is an example of, of Jesus preaching, teaching, healing that we see in action the results of that. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me whole. Now look at this. Jesus put forth his hand. Why do we believe in laying hands on the sick? Jesus laid hands on the sick. He told us to lay hands on the sick. And so if that's one of Jesus' methods, one of his primary methods, really, of laying hands on people, then why shouldn't we lay hands on people? Jesus told us to. He said, lay hands on them in my name, and I'll do the healing. And so he's put forth his hands, touched it, but he said, I will. Be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was clean. So I want to point out, that, that guy even had some doubt about it. He said, if you will. Jesus said, it's my will. He said, I will. I'll gladly, I'll gladly heal you. That's his will. And so, uh, I'll say this, never doubt, because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, and today, and forever. Amen. So if it was Jesus' will to heal the sick then, and he's the same, guess what his will is today? His will is to heal you. Say this to me, say, the will of God is for me to stay well. And my family. If sickness comes, the will of God is for us to get healed quickly. Say quickly. Quickly. He wants you healed quickly. He doesn't want you suffered, nor your family. He wants you healed. And so Jesus said, I will be thou cleansed. And now I'm going to be looking at uh, verse, I'm going to start at uh, verse 5. And I'm going to look at this next several verses here and this is such a great example of the fruit of the area that Jesus was preaching and teaching in and how healing got to the people here. And it says that when Jesus was entered to Capernaum, verse 5, there came to him a centurion beseeching him. And as we worshiping God, I realized something that I never thought about before. Now think about this. The centurion was a Roman army officer that had a hundred soldiers under him. Now, Jesus came to the Jews. The Roman army was occupying Jerusalem and the territory. So the Roman, the Romans there were not friends of Jesus. The Romans were not friends of the Jews. The Romans were the enemies. But this army officer, the only way that he could have had faith to come to Jesus, because when Jesus was out there preaching, teaching, and healing, he was out there for his soldiers watching the Jews to make sure they stayed in order. And as I was worshiping God, I realized that we as Christians have to know that we're out there in the public arena and we're preaching to each other, testifying to each other, talking. There's people out there. The Bible says that sinners are enemies of God. It says that's what we were before we got saved. There's people out there that are God's enemies that they're getting the spillover. Amen. This man did not come in the synagogue to hear the word of God taught. This man watched the synagogue. To see who was going in and out. See what was going on. He's the one that when, when, when Jesus was given the uh, Sermon on the Mount, he's the one that told his disciples, say, if, they, if they make you go a mile, say, I'll go two miles. Reason being, because the army, the army officers with their heavy backpacks and everything, it was the Roman law that they can make the Jews carry their backpacks for them 
but the law said only for a mile. And so Jesus said, love people like I love people. Said if they make you go one mile, said you say, I'll go two miles. Uh, that's where the expression, the extra mile came from. Go the extra mile. And so these were the ones that these Jewish people hated because of what they made them do they didn't want to do. But now here's the Jewish officer comes in and get ready to talk to Jesus about healing. And so I think that's awesome to think that this preaching and teaching and healing going across the land there, that the enemy heard it. And it changed them. What did Jesus say? Love your enemies. That's good preaching. Amen. And so, so this centurion came to him beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy. That means his servant was paralyzed and grievously tormented. And before the man could say anything else, this man wasn't a Jew. He was the enemy of the Jews. That's all the man said. And Jesus cut him off. Jesus said to him, well, I'll come and heal him. <laughs> Amen. The will of God is healing, even for God's enemies. God's enemies experience the love of God and the power of God of their life. And they get born again. They're not enemies anymore. That means we've got another recruit in our army. Amen. You know, I, I look I look at a lot of you, and I, and I know you're, some of your history. I know some of my history. Sometimes we share war stories from before we were saved, the things we was into, the things we did, things like that. We all used to be there. But the love of God through people, the love of God reached out to us and drew us in because of his love and his goodness. And I, I pray that nobody in this church is never a religious person that's judgmental, judgmental and critical of people out there that are in sin. Amen. Amen. We don't have to condone the sin and agree with the sin, but we need to do what Jesus did. Sometimes he pointed out the sin, but he didn't condemn the sinner. Who reached out to him. And think about this officer. He's the man that's oppressing the Jewish people. And all he said was, you know what? Jesus, my servant, he's my friend. He's homesick. And Jesus said, well, you're a Roman soldier. Get the blank away from me. We have nothing to do with you. You hurt us. But didn't even ask for healing. All he says, I'll come and heal him. Well, if he is that excited for healing the enemy, how much is he excited for healing the children? Even for the children that was wayward, even for the children that had a bad season of life and kind of turned their back on him for a while, how much more does he want to get them back in? And so he said, I'll come and heal him. And so then I want you to notice then, then the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy. Thou shouldst come under my roof. You know why he said he wasn't worthy? He wasn't a Jew. And he was actually in charge of making sure the Jews got hurt. He said, I'm not worthy. He says, but, now look at this, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Think about that. How would he know? How would he know the power of the word of God if he hadn't seen it in action? He wasn't welcome in the synagogues. He wasn't welcome in Jewish houses. He went in, I'm sure, and a lot of Jewish houses probably just checking on him to take from him or whatever to them. And so he wasn't welcome there. And so he wasn't around the inner circle stuff. What he heard had to be in those crowds when he was watching for, for uh, crowd control. 
to control things. And so it says, speak the word only. And I'm talking about the fruit, the fruit of the ministry. He went about preaching, teaching, and healing. Think about an inside look at how he did things. Well, this officer had to have seen that. Why else would he say, speak the word only? Jesus said, I want to come to your house and I'll lay my hand on him like I just did that leper. I laid my hand on the leper. Immediately he was cleansed. He said, okay, I'll come to your house. And the man said, no, 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 no. You don't have to do that. He said, just speak the word only. And I remember what I, what I heard Norval years ago about Norval Hayes night for some reason. He's the one I heard this one too. He taught a really, really great lesson like this. And it was called speak the word only. Speak the word only. Speak the word only. And out of that, what I always got, no matter what kind of sickness attack I had on my body, on my children, my wife, our church people, I've always stuck with the word after I prayed. I've always taught people, when hands have been laid on you, in Mark 16, 17, 18, Jesus said, lay hands sick, they shall recover. That doesn't mean get worse. That doesn't mean maybe. That doesn't mean, well, we're hoping and praying. Well, if you're hoping and praying, you're not going to get much. You gotta be faithful in praying. Jesus said, believe when you pray and you shall receive. And so I've always taught people that you've had hands laid on you. And so after this, if you still feel paid, you're still getting bad reports like that, stick with the word. Speak the word only. Has been laid on me in the name of Jesus and I'm in recovery. Has been laid on me in the name of Jesus, I'm in recovery. But I went through the bad cancer things I went through a few years ago. I told you, the elders of the church have anointed me with all the name of the Lord. They prayed the prayer of faith. At James chapter 1, uh, James chapter 5, verse 14, 15 said, When the elders of the church pray the prayer of faith, it shall heal the sick. And so every time I went through the hordes of things I went through for several months, whatever pains came, whatever things happened, I said, Jesus, I want to thank you that the elders of the church anointed me with all. They prayed the prayer of faith. And I'm healed. I want to thank you, Lord. They prayed the prayer of faith. He said, the prayer of faith heals the sick. I'm healed. Was I in denial of the cancer was in my blood? I wasn't in denial. But I was in faith that it couldn't stay. See the difference. See, a lot of times people that don't understand dividing healing, when Christians talk about healing work of the body, they say things like, well, they're just in denial. I didn't deny cancer was in my blood because it was. I didn't deny my son had leukemia when he had it, because he did. But I denied the disease the right to stay. Amen. And so I spoke the word only. If you will learn that lesson in your life, to speak the word only, you're not in denial. And I'll say this too, though. If you don't have the word in you to speak, you can't speak it. Because I have seen, I have seen people like the seven sons of Sceva in Acts chapter 19. Has anybody ever read about those guys where it says... These seven sons of this religious priest named Sceva came to cast a demon out of a man. And they said, we command you to come out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. That Paul preaches. They said, come out in the name of Jesus whom we serve. Said, come out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. They tried to imitate Paul's faith, but they didn't serve the Jesus Paul served, so they didn't have the faith to do it. And so all I, all I can say, things that I'm teaching and other, other healing teachers teach, but we're telling you speak the word only. Like Pastor Dave said, I just, I'd, I'd never look at a TikTok or a doodoc or any of that stuff. I wouldn't look at, I wouldn't look at that garbage. But he said, if you spend many hours every day on TikTok, social media, playing games and stuff like that, then when crisis comes, you don't have anything to speak. 
That's all I can say. If you're not a Christian that reads your Bible, studies healing, speaking the word only is probably not going to have much, much results in your life. You better make sure you get all the help you can get and have good insurance. No, I'm very serious about that. I, I got to make sure what we say doesn't get distorted because somebody that's that's a casual Christian, that's a double agent. What's a double agent? They serve the devil and serve God. You never know which side they're on today. If you're a double agent, you better just make sure you get all the other help you can. But if you want to receive what God's got, you better be serious about this. Yeah. Amen. Because then you're a bad witness and people blame, blame, blame God and preachers for the trouble, but they didn't line up. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And so he says, speak the word only, my servant shall be healed. And then here's another key. This is another key. And this is, this is, this is from him observing Jesus' ministry, no doubt. He said, I'm a man under authority. Having soldiers under me, I say this man go and he goeth to another come and he cometh to my servant doeth this and he doeth this. So what's, what's that saying is this. I have watched the power of the spoken word. I've seen you, Jesus, preaching and teaching and then commanding demons to come out. Demanding Sight to come to blind eyes, hearing to deaf ears, cripples to walk. I've watched what you've got. Sickness and disease obeys your words. Amen. Demons that oppress people, demons that possess people, demons that keep people in addictions and bondage. I've seen you, Jesus. I've seen when you speak what happens. As a matter of fact, I just think about another one. When I was down in Houston, Texas, my friend Gary and I were working the streets. Leading a lot of people to Jesus, getting a lot of healings, and come up to this guy. I'll never forget it. My family is basically been a lot of alcoholics and drunks. I was before I got born again. But I come up to this guy, and it looked like a normal guy. He was wandering the streets, and I walked up to him. I said, Hey, uh, I want to tell you about Jesus. I had a salvation track, had a guy that <laughs> He was just totally, totally, totally loaded. And Jesus said, Touch his hand, and I'll sober him up. I'll never forget this the longest day I live because I've seen a lot of things. I've seen a lot of drugs. I'll never forget it. I said, let me pray for you. And I grabbed his hand. When I did, all of a sudden, the guy, yes, sir, what, 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 what's going on? And I prayed for the guy. And then Gary took him to a restaurant and bought him a meal. And he said, man, that guy, you can never tell him he had drinking, drinking booze in his whole life. He said, I've never seen such a sober man. I'm telling you, the anointing of God, the power of God is real. That guy got sobered up so fast. I mean, it was, it was, it was something. And so this centurion had seen those kind of things. He'd seen the power of God, the power of the spoken word. That's why he said, you don't have to come, just send the word. Because the word's full of power. I want to look at one place and coming back here, but I think you need to see this. Look at Hebrews chapter one. Anybody get anything out of this? Hey, man, we're looking at some keys here to Jesus' ministry. Keep in mind the things we're seeing here in Matthew chapter 8 are the fruit of him preaching and teaching and healing in that region. Hebrews 1 verse 3. Hebrews 1 verse 3. I'm going to read this out of the King James, but then I'm going to tell you another translation in the note I wrote in my Bible. I've been carrying this around probably 30 years. Because it's so real to me. Hebrews 1 verse 3. Talking about the ministry of Jesus. Says. 
who being the brightness of God's glory, the express image of his person. Now look at this right here. This is a, this, this is a Bible key to how faith in the word of God works. And upholding all things by the word of his power. By the word of his power. Everything works in the universe. Everything works in the universes. Wherever there is anything going on, God's word is full of power. That holds up everything. Now, Rotherham's translation says this. Also buried up all things by the utterance of his power. By the utterance of his power. Faith is released with words. Words inside of a human spirit, a born-again Christian, that are real to them, spoken in faith, are full of the power of God. And they will accomplish whatever it is, the word is you're speaking. Also buried up all things by the utterance of his power. And another word, another way to say this is rhema, the spoken word. Rhema. There's logos, which is the written word. But when the written word gets into your heart and becomes revelation and you speak it, then it's the spoken word as full of power. And so I wrote this down years ago. Faith-filled words are spiritual containers of the power of God. Spiritual containers of the power of God. Not just quote the Bible, but faith-filled words. When it's Bible that you meditate on, that you live on, that you breathe on, that you sleep on, well, those words that are real to you are spiritual containers of the power of God. And so when the word of God is spoken in faith, when our faith-filled words reach their intended target, they will produce exactly and precisely what that word says. That's for healing. That's for finances. That's for jobs. That's for family situations. Whatever it is, when you speak that word in faith, it's like a guided missile that didn't come to steal, kill, and destroy, but to bring life. And when that missile hits cancer, cancer has to go. When that missile hits financial lack, that lack has to go. When that missile hits strife and division in a family or a church, it has to go. Because the spoken word of God is full of power and it gets results. Back to Matthew chapter 8. And that's why that centurion could say, speak the word only. He says, for I understand authority. He said, I understand authority. And so, uh, you know, you know, when I look at this, I think about this, these verses we've read so far. And I think about Jesus. And I think about what Jesus said, the I will part. I, I just... Wrote down some things just to, just to put into the Gospel of John about Jesus and the will of God. In John chapter 14 verse 9, Jesus said, He that has seen me has seen the Father. And so if you want to know what God's like, look at what Jesus was like. Seen me, seen the Father. And then John 8.36 said, I only say what I've heard my Father say. And so if Jesus said, I will come and heal him, what did God say? I'll come and heal him. I sent Jesus. And then John 5 verse 19, I only do what I see my father do. All those are verses right in the gospel of John. I'm just emphasizing this for you to know how Jesus does things. 
What he saw the father do, he did. What he heard the father say, he said. And then the last one, John six thirty eight, he said, I came from heaven to do the will of him that sent me. I came from heaven to do the will of him that sent me. So think about that for our lives. This burns in me when I see Christian people that are good Christian people stay sick. No judgment, no critical, no thought, no stones. Well, if they only read their Bible more, that's between them and God. Well, uh, they got to watch what they're watching. That's between them and God. They need to quit living with who they live with. That's between them and God. Because I know that Jesus, in a lot of people, in a lot of very wrong situations, Jesus always said, I'll come and heal them. I'll come and heal them. So I know that people that are good people, whether they've let things come in or just attacking the devil, bottom line is, Jesus said, I came to do the will of my Father. I want him healed. I want him healed. And so you've got to get that. Don't ever, ever, ever let the devil give you that religious lie. Well, you're a special case to show the love of God. God loves you so much, he puts you in a wheelchair. God loves you so much, he caused you to get this cancer. God loves you so much, he wants to show people how you can bear the pain. You can bear the pain. He never told anybody you're a special case. He never told anybody, I want your child sick and on a deathbed because God loves you. He never said, an expression is one of my most, one reason I don't like to go to some funerals. Well, God needed another flower at his flower garden. And I, you know what I think every time when people are preaching that at a funeral? I think, you ignorant blankety, 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 blank. If God's that stupid, he don't difference between a flower and a baby, then what kind of God is he? If God wants a flower at his flower garden, he's going to put flowers there. Amen. God made babies to live. God made people to live. John 10.10 says, The thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and destroy. I come to give life. Didn't say, I come to take it so God can have flowers. Amen. Go ahead and clap. Clap real good. Amen. And so anyway, the guy said, I know how authority lurks. Works in verse 10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, he says to his disciples, to the Jews, this is a Roman soldier. And I can imagine the disciples are sitting there thinking, boy, Jesus missed it this time. Doesn't he realize who this guy is? Don't you imagine the disciples were kind of getting kind of judgmental right about this thing? What's he even talking to this guy for? And Peter probably sitting there getting itchy fingers on the sword. He's like, this is my perfect chance. He's here. His hundred soldiers aren't with him. I can take his ear off. Amen. And so then Jesus really, really, really blew them away. Jesus says, I've not seen such great faith. He's got these 12 guys that left everything. Left their jobs, left their homes. They're traveling with Jesus. And he says, these guys got great faith. You little peons, look at this guy. Amen. Isn't that pretty amazing? And so, what, what did Jesus call great faith? Let me flip my page here and see what I wrote this morning. Great faith is knowing the power of the spoken word and the name of Jesus. That's what he said. He said, Jesus, you speak the word. Well, now, Jesus lives in us. He told us to speak the word. And so, Jesus said, because this man has faith in me and the words I speak, said, I've not seen such great faith and not in all of Israel. 
He said, I see Jews every day, and none of them has faith like this soldier. Amen. That's pretty powerful, isn't it, to think about that. And so in your lives, in your lives, don't ever say, I don't have faith. Don't ever say, I'm weak in that. If you speak the word of God, and it's real to you, that if Jesus told this soldier wasn't even in the covenant yet, said he's got great faith, what's he going to say about you then? Amen. You might as well start saying, the word of God's in my heart, it's in my mouth. When I speak the word of God, Jesus says, I have great faith. Amen. Amen. Great faith. Says he had great faith. And so then, let's skip down to verse 13. And here's the last key I want you to see. And Jesus said to the centurion, go thy way. Now look at this. Jesus didn't talk about himself. He talked about the centurion's great faith. He said, as thou hast believed, as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And a servant was healed in the selfsame hour. And so for your life, and I, I can tell you this, sometimes sometimes, when I need to say it to people I'm praying for, I go ahead and say it. I'll be in the line up here. Somebody come up here and want to pray for something serious. And then when we get done, I'll say, well, did you receive it? Oh, I hope so. And when I'm, when, when I, when I'm brave enough, when I know they need it, I say, well, I can tell you right now you didn't. If you're only hoping you didn't. But when they say, yes, pastor, I know the word of God that you taught. I saw the word of God and I was the sick. Here I said, I was the sick. Past tense. Because hands have been laid on me now and you said I'm in recovery. So father, so, so pastor, I believe in the name of Jesus that when you lay hands on me, I got past hope. And as I believe it'll be done unto me, I believe in the name of Jesus. From this moment on, I'm getting better every day. I believe I'm getting better every day. And when I go to the doctor, to get the doctor's report, if it's a good report, I'm going to say, praise the Lord. If it's a bad report, I'm going to say, praise the Lord. I'm getting better every day. If people ask me how I'm doing, I'm going to say, I'm getting better every day. If they say, what did the doctor say? Well, the doctor didn't agree with the word yet. But he will, because he'll see the word manifest in my life. I'm getting better every day. And so, I'll say it one more time as I close out. That last key was, he said, as you have believed. He didn't say, as your pastor believed, as your wife that has much more faith than you believed, or as your husband has much more faith than you believed. What difference does it make how much faith your husband or your wife has? Jesus says, what you believe. Amen. Let's stand up. And so, I can say this based upon the authority of the Word of God. Uh, I'll just ask you, I'll give you a quiz. Tonight I did what Jesus did. I was preaching and teaching on healing. What does that mean in the spiritual atmosphere tonight? Healing's in the atmosphere. There's faith in the hearts here for healing tonight. And so, even if you've been standing on the Word of God for healing in your body, there's been preaching and teaching here tonight, so there's healing here tonight. And so, if you need healing that still hadn't been where it's supposed to be yet, don't take your faith off what you prayed, but say, Pastor, I've stand on the Word of God, and glory to God, things aren't happening fast enough yet. 
I'd like you to lay hands on me. I'd like you to agree with me that what's already working, because when I prayed, it started working, but what's already working will get done. Amen? Amen. Amen. Preaching, teaching, and healing. So if you need it, come and get it. And uh, because Pastor Dave's up here too, since I emphasize the healing part, if you need healing, come to me. If you're praying for other issues, come to him and Mrs. Pastor. Amen. Amen. Anybody else on the prayer team, get up here.
remind you, when people get prayer, always keep your faith hooked up. There's a corporate prayer, there's a congregational prayer, and one put a thousand flight, two put ten thousand flight. So when we stay in faith and hooked up to what's going on, then that helps the atmosphere to stay strong. go ahead and close things out tonight who has received from the word of god this evening amen
Jesus was teaching, preaching, and healing. And that is something for us to remember, man. If you are going to receive from him, you got to get that word in your heart. Listen to the teaching and preaching. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to close things out. Remember, we've got service Wednesday night at seven. It's going to be great. And then Julius and Ruth Marar will be here this Sunday. Do not miss out, man. It is going to be incredible. You will love them so much. Uh, and they're, I mean, seriously, you're going to absolutely love the ministry that God does through them this Sunday. And then Easter is just a few weeks away, guys. So be thinking about who you're going to invite to come hear the gospel that day. You ready, Eli? Eli's ready, man. He's got a whole list of people he's going to invite. It's going to be great. So everybody else do the same thing. Amen. Let's go ahead and uh, we're going to pray tonight and then we will speak some faith over Barstow. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord, for what we have seen in the word of God tonight. And Lord, just like we saw time and time again, Jesus healed them all. And Lord, we know that it is your will for us to walk in healing, to walk in health, Lord, and to receive everything you have for us. So, Lord, just as you said again, according to your faith, be it done unto you. Lord, we have faith that we are receiving what you have for us. We love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for it. Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's say these words together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you Wednesday. Amen.